Welcome. You're listening to Widowcast, episode Lucky 13, with Joanne Philomena from Joanne the Life Coach. Hello, listeners. Welcome. After loss, and should your loved one have requested having their ashes scattered, what do you do? How do you handle that? Is it wrong to want to inter their ashes because you want, need a place to go spend time with them? I would say to never feel guilty for any of your decisions or how you're feeling. Each of us is going to feel and react differently. All I can share with any certainty is my own experience of it. Jim did not want a funeral. He said they always made him vastly uncomfortable and it's not something he wanted in his own death. Uh, we both shared firm beliefs about the fact that we don't really die and disappear. Um, in my mind, energy just doesn't stop. Energy can transform and it can pass from one object to another like playing pool. After my father passed away, his presence was very close for quite a while. He confirmed for me an early belief of mine about this. I remember talking to him in the kitchen of my parents' house. He said he had had an, or he described an out-of-body experience when he was clinically dead. This was back in the 19th, when he was in his 50s in the hospital. He had been in the hospital for a surgery and a medication they had him on that slowed his pulse actually slowed his heart too far and it stopped. Code was called. His room was full of medical staff trying to revive him, but for some reason the crash cart was not where it should have been. There were no paddles. This was a military hospital years ago in California. Finally, a doctor jumped up onto my father, astride of him in his hospital bed, and punched him hard in the center of his chest. Dad took a breath and said, get the hell off me. Music to that doctor's ears, I'm sure. What no one knew until years later in mom's kitchen was that my dad, dead and apparently floating up out of his body, saw the entire episode. He was floating up by the ceiling, looking down on the entire scene. And he told me over lunch all about this, something that it was just startling that he would bring up. He said, when I saw that doctor jump on me and start punching me, it made me really mad. And I jumped back into my body and told him to get the hell off. <laughs> Laughable, yes, but also remarkable, remarkable the things he relayed to me while my mother listened in stunned silence. It was just disbelief for her that all those years of marriage, this man had been sleeping beside her every night of their lives, and he never told her about what happened in the hospital that night when he died. She found out that the next day when she was up at the hospital from hospital staff that he had actually died in the night. Um, and they were able to revive him and bring him back. So while we discussed this that day, and I told my dad 
about what I believed, about how we're really just energy using our earthly body for experiences, and that when we die, the energy doesn't just stop. We continue on just without the body. I believed that we were a lot like electricity. Electricity doesn't just stop. It keeps going. And um, I remember standing by the sink with him, and I kind of only half-jokingly said, if you go before I do, Dad, I'm counting on you to let me know if I'm right or not. My dad rolled his eyes comically, the way that he would, smirking, but then he nodded yes. And we never talked about it again. We didn't talk about that again. Until a few years later, there I was in a room at the local hospital where my father lay dying. We knew it was only a matter of time. The doctors had told us that. Um, they explained to us what was going on. And... Um, we had all been kind of notified to come back down to the hospital because death was imminent and it was Father's Day. So we were all there and we were taping Father's Day cards up around his bed, but he was now unconscious um, at the end of that long day. And it was a long, long day. Suddenly all the lights went out on that floor of the hospital. There was a lot of shouting and rushing around in the hallways. Apparently, it wasn't supposed to be able to happen like that. Um, first of all, apparently, it was only the power on the floor of the hospital we were on, which was kind of bizarre. But the hospitals have emergency backup generators that kick in immediately because there's life support machines going on in that hospital. So this is what there was a lot of confusion about, a lot of nurses and, and orderlies running up and down the halls yelling. The outage was really only for a few minutes. It didn't last long. And when the lights flashed back on, I looked down at my dad and I knew he was not breathing. He was gone. Medical staff were summer, summoned and um, did the examination to confirm his death and declare time of death, but they didn't need to confirm for me. I knew. Dad turned out the lights and turned them back on again. He was telling me I was right. We're like electricity. My brothers and sisters and my mom were there, and you know, my brothers just patted me on the shoulder and said, well, Joe, as nice as it is to believe, I think it's just coincidence, Joe. Trust me, over the ensuing days, they would all believe. On the day of Dad's funeral, as my brothers, my brother-in-law and my husband carried his casket out of the funeral parlor, the lights went out in the funeral parlor and came back on again. And they just looked over at me and shook their heads, <laughs> just kind of in shock and amazement. And they put dad's casket into the hearst and we all went to Queen of All Saints Church for services, for mass, um, my brothers again lifted his casket from the hearse and carried it into the church. And as they came in through the door of the church, the lights in the church went out for a few minutes. And as they got up to um, the front altar of the church, the lights came back on again. And they lifted his casket onto the stand there. And we had mass, about an hour-long mass, Catholic mass, Again, at the end of those services, when it was time to put his casket back in the hearse to go to the cemetery, 
my brothers and husband carried the casket down the center aisle of the church, and the lights went out and came back on again just as they exited the church with him. Nice job, Dad. Pretty spectacular. Oh, we all had been experiencing little things at home and at Mom and Dad's house. A lot of lights going out and coming back on at key moments. He did that over and over again. It was like, okay, Daddy, I get it. <laughs> but it was, it was just so cool. My niece, my niece was the funniest one. She had um, a big armoire in her apartment. This was her first apartment. She was still pretty young then. And this big old armoire housed her TV and her stereo equipment. And my dad used to just lecture her about leaving the doors open on it all the time, saying burglars could look right in her front window and see she had good stuff to steal, that she needed to keep that thing closed unless she was watching TV. A few days after dad passed away, she told me that Every morning she was getting up and finding the doors closed on that armoire. And she knew she didn't close them. She never closed the doors. And after a few days of this, it was so darn creepy. She just started closing the doors on it every night. And in her words, because it's too weird when grandpa does it. <laughs> so she developed the habit of making sure before she went to bed, the doors were closed on that armoire. The final display for me was a week after my dad passed. My husband decided he needed to get me out of the house to a movie or something to distract me from my grief and mourning over losing my dad. And there was a new movie out with Tom Cruise. So he figured a Tom Cruise movie would certainly perk up my spirits. <laughs> Indeed, no doubt Tom Cruise would. So he swept me out of the house to go see Far and Away at the theater. What he didn't know was the opening scene of the movie was the sons standing around their father as he lied dying. And then the camera panned up from the scene, denoting the father's soul leaving his body. My poor husband was next to me doing a face palm plant like, I can't believe I brought her to this movie to help her get over her father's death. <laughs> and it was hard. I was choking up. Tears were starting to come down my cheeks. But as the father died on the screen in front of me, the lights in the theater suddenly came back up full for a second, stayed there, and then dimmed back down again. And as the tears were streaming down my cheeks, I smiled, looked up, and out loud said, Thanks, Dad. I was fine after that moment, and I enjoyed the movie. Um, my husband was pretty stunned by that display, too. <laughs> he said, man, have you experienced such things? Don't be sad if you haven't. My brothers and sisters and I all expected our mom would haunt us after her death. <laughs> mom was very psychic, and we respected that. We couldn't get away with the darn thing. But after my mom passed away, I didn't sense her presence like I expected to. Not at all like my dad's strong presence after he passed. For whatever reason, my mom just slipped right away. Maybe because dad was waiting for her. Who knows? I was a little sad that I didn't experience that presence of my mother, but it was what it was. Jim was around after he passed. 
most notably i could sense his presence the first three months or so um pretty strongly i'd always felt oh gosh within the first few weeks after he passed away it was just like he was standing right over my shoulder the whole time really i mean it sounds creepy it sounds like oh it's a mourning widow's imagination but no he was just looking right over my shoulder um, and there had been a couple of incidents one with smell uh, the smell of his old spice aftershave would come out of nowhere i mean he knew i loved the smell of that aftershave he didn't wear aftershave every day because he had a beard but when he tr would trim up his beard he would splash a little on and come running downstairs to me sticking his neck up in my face saying does it do anything for you here smell smell <laughs> um so yeah he was around he was around and i knew his wishes about his ashes he had told me repeatedly over the years that when he died, he wanted to be cremated and he wanted to be scattered in the Esopus River under the bridge where he and his cousin Jackie used to swim every summer of their youth. They both spent summers here in upstate New York at their grandmother's house. The Esopus empties into the Hudson River which carries down past New York City to the Atlantic. And that was his path. He was born in Queens. He taught middle school in the Bronx for 35 years. And we lived up in the North Bronx um, by the Bronx River with the Botanical Gardens right behind us. So having his ashes scattered in his beloved personal Ganges, <laughs> the Esopus, meant that his ashes would journey down through the Hudson Valley out into the Hudson River and eventually reach the Bronx and go past New York City, wash out past Queens. It was like his return journey. But I found that I was not ready to do that immediately. Besides, it was frozen, snowy, and icy at the start of the new year. He died right at the end of 2014. So at that time of year, we could not have gotten near that old bridge in the Esopus. But I also needed to sometimes just sit on the stairs with the box of his ashes hugged to my chest, you know, and have a good cry. Um, when my dear friend sent me the hand-painted gourd as a tribute to him with peanuts inside for his squirrels, I did add a scoop of his ashes to that gourd and then set it out in the snow under our giant oak tree that he so loved. He spent hours sitting out under that tree reading with our kitty cats and with the squirrels. And he was so proud of that mighty oak. He bragged about it. So I allowed his squirrels and nature to scatter a few of his ashes out under the oak. I knew he would like that. It also made the gourd that was decomposing and breaking down in the elements outside in the garden more meaningful for me as I imagined my own grief and pain also breaking down and slowly disintegrating over the seasons with that gourd. It was a beautiful gift from my friend. I, it was so thoughtful. I finally decided that his two, he had two sons adopted in his first marriage and that his two sons and I should scatter his ashes on his birthday, April 12th. I made arrangements as the old bridge had long been close to traffic and blocked off with chain link fence. So I did a lot of reconnaissance to see how we could even get close to the bridge to scatter his ashes where he wanted them scattered. 
And before that day came, I took out a small tin box that I had bought at a shrine in New Mexico the previous summer, and I filled it with a, a small scoop of his ashes, just so I would also have a bit of his ashes to here to hold near to my heart. I didn't want to scatter all of his remaining ashes, just not yet. I still needed a little bit just for me. Then um, we went out with the heavy box of his remains to take turns with the garden trowel and stream his ashes down off that bridge into the Esopus River. It was a setting that he loved, rural and in the trees, and the bridge reminded me very much of the Bronx. Gritty, fenced off, graffitied up a bit. The no trespassing sign had been defaced. <laughs> Just a tinge illicit to do, and yes, he would have loved that. As I streamed a scoop of ashes over the side of the bridge, we were taking turns and passing the trowel back and forth between the three of us and, and pouring ashes out. Suddenly, a tingling rush of energy like whooshed up through me, like it came in through my feet and whooshed right up my body tingling the whole way up. It was like ecstasy, gleeful, ecstatic, elated energy rushing right up through me, tingled right up throughout the top of my head. And I quietly said to his sons, both are fully a grown adult man, and one was standing on either side of me. And I quietly said, did you feel that? And they both just turned and looked at me with huge eyes. And there was my answer. Not only did they feel it, I think they were shocked to realize it was not just them. I have since talked to others who have scattered ashes of someone who had passed on and had described the experience as mind-blowing. Indeed, it was. And I was, I was really pleased because it seemed to me like Jim was ecstatic over being released into his river. Like his energy was just streaming now, flowing through the planet. Like his spirit was released to freedom. Do I feel guilty that some of his ashes are under the oak tree? And a few of his ashes are in a small tin shrine box here with me? Not at all. Jim would understand. He would be pleased. Someday that small tin, tin of ashes may go back down to the Bronx with me. Um, either into the Bronx River that we sat beside a lot of afternoons or to Our Lady of Lords Grotto at St. Lucie's, which he loved. He loved that. It was a miracle spring of healing waters that took place in the Bronx, um, very much like uh, Lords France. Uh, but for now, for now, that little tin of ashes is here with me. And it's taking care of what I need as I move through this journey of healing back to finding who I am. So whatever it is that you choose to do, I know for many, it's a traditional funeral and interment within days of their passing. And if so, probably you were in a fog pretty much through the whole entire experience. No matter. It is what it is. It all happens exactly as it should. No guilt, no remorse for those decisions, preparations. That doesn't serve us. What serves us is the love that we still feel for them. And that is what should remain in its purest form. If you feel like there's been no signs of your spouse, realize you may not be looking or even accepting such things, noticing. I had a girlfriend whose fiance had passed away. 
quite unexpectedly. And both of their beliefs about reality and death were the same as Jim and I. We had all four of us spent a lot of late nights, lots of glasses of wine, talking about such things. And a few nights after he had passed away, there had been a huge explosion down on an overpass near her that lit up the entire night sky. No one was hurt. No one died. Um, it was reported like a miracle that lives had not been lost in that horrible ex explosion of a tanker. Um, but a week later, she was lamenting to me that he had not sent her any signs at all. She couldn't believe he would pass away and not send her a sign. And I said, are you kidding? Didn't he just recently light up the entire night sky for you? The stunned look on her face was priceless. And then we both dissolved into laughter because it was such an obvious thing. There were a lot of other little things, too all that she had just overlooked because she wasn't seeing what was. She was thinking everything was coincidence, but when she started reviewing it all with me, it became clear to her that, yeah, he was around. Um, a widow friend finds hearts constantly from her deceased spouse. She knows to look for them, and they turn up all over the place for her. Heart-shaped rocks, heart-shaped leaves, hearts in the clouds, a flower with a deformed center that should have been perfectly round but instead bloomed into a heart, a knot in the wood of a table shaped in a heart, the center of a strawberry, an imperfect tomato. He constantly sends her love, and she knows to watch for this, and hearts just seem to surround her now. Do you know where to look? Have you been overlooking the odd cardinal out in your yard or the impossible blossoms on a dead plant? Just be assured, even if you don't see it, they're there, they're looking in on us, they're waiting for the day that we join them and then we get to sit down and celebrate our lives together. I know I have a whole bunch of things that I just can't wait to tell Jim about. I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure he knows he's probably still looking down over what's going on down here, but I really feel that way. There's so many things that I would love to run to him and tell him about. Look at what I'm doing. Look at what happened. Look at this. I'm saving them all up because I know I'll see him again and I'll get to share all that. And you will too. Take a moment and go to iTunes and leave a review for Widowcast. I do this podcast for free and I want it to reach those who it can make a difference to. And the way to get a podcast noticed in iTunes is for it to have a lot of downloads and many, many reviews. So it would mean so much to me to hear from you, to have you leave a review there, or even just go and, you know, click the stars and you can leave that evaluation without writing anything. In the meantime, get out there and live your life so you have something to tell them all about when you get there. Live your life. Go find some joy in every day. Until next time.